0: Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, I'm doing Jean-Paul Sartre's Individualism and Conformism in the United States. He's a foreigner, he's a Frenchman, he's visiting the United States, he's taking a walk around and noticing what he sees, and he sort of displays different examples and analysis on what the human mind and character is doing, according to him. As a philosopher and thinking person, it's good to have perspective, whether you're inside or outside a framework of being. Jean-Paul Sartre mentions that some people say get some perspective, but he doesn't trust those perspectives that are already generalizations. He has therefore decided to set forth his own personal impression and interpretation on something, and that it's your own responsibility to make these happen. So getting perspective not necessarily belongs to newspapers or any other resource, but your own internal imagination and what you derive from what you're seeing talk among paris where he's from that americans are conformists and americans are individualists those are two contradictory slogans but america is a melting pot so there's a lot of in between there's a lot happening among conforming and being individual When walking down the street, what he noticed was, he described it as you're never alone, whether you are alone or not. When you walk down the street, the walls are talking to you. Left and right, there's advertisements. There's illuminated signs, displays of all different kinds, which contain big photographic montages and placards that read one thing and the next. There's a lot of different advice giving, he noticed. There is a quote, that said Bibles, not bombs. The nation walks with you and gives you advice and chatters into your ear wherever you may go. Advertisements are a key element in American culture. The subconscious determination of what you identify with is done through a sort of advertising scheme. He noticed something of a a cosmetic advertisement that say, Today, more than ever, it is your duty to be beautiful, your active duty to be beautiful. To have a duty means you have a full responsibility. You might even have a life and death accountability just to slap something on your face that someone says you need to have. Like it's not only just a a free desire, it's it's something more than that, a desire to, to want to alter your appearance, but your duty to want to be beautiful as if you weren't. It's very strange. And then another one said, take care of your face and buy this uh, cream. <laughs> so one thing is I'm gonna smear crap on my face to be beautiful because I have to. And another thing is we'll take care of your face. I know you've already screwed up your face with, with all that crap, but now I want you to take care of it. Forget about beauty, just take care of your skin for Christ's sakes. He noticed that there's signs everywhere that have nothing to do with an, an end goal with money, but just for the sake of promoting different values. He saw a cartoon of, of two donkeys or two jackasses and they're, hu- on, they're tugging on a halter in the opposite directions. There's a certain distance between them, but there's haystacks that they can't reach, and they're keeping each other from reaching their own haystacks. But finally they understand that they come around and start working together on the first haystack, and that gets absolved twice as fast, and then once they've eaten that, they begin on the second one. So just little, little things like this to kind of inform you of, of what to do. It's like this advice giving mechanism that you see that no one solicited to you, but it's still being put up there anyway. And in this way, there's, for passerbys, there's no commentary to, to be, it's just, it speaks for itself. The passerby draws their own conclusions and can think of it on their own free time. There's no pressure put on you to understand it, and there's no pointing towards why this makes sense or where it belongs and how you should think about it. It's just to be deciphered on your own behalf. It's up to you to make up your mind. He noticed that at the end of his visit, there was an engineer that escorted the visitors through this bridge and that there was this wax disc that he was recording all people's encounters and what they thought of their visit upon leaving. And this was broadcasted over the air. So people in all over the town, the cafeterias and the workers would hear about the impressions that were made upon the foreigners. What he noticed is that American people like to organize around educational aspects. He thinks the American citizen is, is hedged in by knowing who they are based on what is being told to them. He says that the government has a, a very strong role in the person's education process. He says, for example, in Tennessee, where the farmers have been, been ruining the soil by planting too much corn every year, He was trying hard to teach them eventually to let the soil rest by varying crops year to year. So to have rational arguments with people sometimes just can't happen. He noticed that just talking to people is a little different. They experience their sense of reason differently. They think that American reason is universal reason, but everything is being taught to them. Everything is being broadcasted to them. An interesting point that was made was that modern mothers who never ordered their children to do anything without first persuaded them to obey. So you first get them, you just need to accept what I'm telling you and do that. So before any of these orders are made, the people know that what they need to do is just obey um, what the American education system is, is trying to tell them. So there, there's sort of an reinforcement that you accept something prior to actually learning it. So in conclusion. Sartre says that an American is acting like everyone else, that he feels most reasonable and most American. It is in displaying his conformism that he feels most free. So to regard one's thought as universal, or being taught something as uptaking it as American it is already universal and understood to be true. You can discern that there is a puritanical influence here, and that's what Sartre says. He was talking to an American, and the way he argued was that... Well, Sartre wasn't arguing, but the American was arguing with someone, and he was he was listening in. That he said, after all, if international politics were in the hands of well-balanced and reasonable men, wouldn't war be abolished forever? And some French people who were present said that no, that doesn't necessarily follow, and he got very angry. He said, "All right, go go and build cemeteries." So, discussion with him was quite impossible. Because you see, he was thinking himself as well-balanced and reasonable and understanding. And when someone said they no, know, you know, and started arguing or, or debased the conclusion that he he was on, he became unbalanced and unreasonable. But he thinks that whatever his reasoning is, is supposed to be universal. And that's, that was sort of his, his point. <laughs> so it's like they, they will they will claim to be reasonable. But then once someone reasons differently, they become unreasonable because their reason is universal, to sum it up. He brings up even more examples like putting a coin into a slot makes people feel that they are participating in a universal. So according to an American, his individuality will raise himself up to the impersonality of the universal. There is complete freedom and conformism. He said the Americans that he had met seem to first conform through freedom, to be depersonalized through rationalism. They seem to identify universal reason with their own particular nation within the framework and within some creed. This combination of social conformism, and individualism is perhaps what a Frenchman will have most difficulty understanding. For f- for the French, individualism has retained the old classical form of the individual struggle against society, or more particularly against the state. But in America, there may be this struggle, but simultaneously, America's attitude is that it's their state. They're very proud of their state, even though they may be, like, against it. So in the United States, and everywhere else for that matter, there is a struggle to exist. It can be very harsh. Sartre says that every individual wants to succeed. Yeah, people want to succeed. They want to do better. They want things to go well. That's just a human human drive. It's a natural thing. Also, to succeed is to make money, not to be regarded as simply greed or a taste for luxury. But he says in the States, money is the necessary but symbolic token of success. You must succeed because success is a proof of virtue and intelligence and also because it shows that you enjoy divine protection. In order to face the crowd, so to speak, you have to first succeed, because that's the only way you can. He mentions that if you can't achieve success, you can't expect your articles to appear. So it's almost like this sort of wall to becoming successful. How can you be published? But you have to be successful to get published. Well, I have to be published to be successful. So there's like that block there. And also that there's a money-making name that in order to first make money, you got to have a money-making name so everything changes anything especially as a writer or even someone like me who does this your your writing will get cut up if it's especially if it's getting broadcasted or if it's within the general public and it becomes a name and a public entity or a or a sort of public undertaking that's has the acquisition of gaining money from the public you have you have to acquire the right to be yourself and a lady went up and asked John Paul Sartre, because he wrote plays, as you may know, there was a lady that, that asked him if that he would like to have a play of hers done in the United States, but he replied... I would be delighted for that to happen but producers have the habit of modifying things as they see fit so she said if they don't who will what you have written is meant to be read but they have to work on it and and make it understandable so yeah that would be the struggle for life you know you're at the whims of of people that control what gets to be printed and sometimes you just need to know people or have a name he likens American individuality as sort of like this model like this statue of liberty it is this undertaken in which you rise above the Rest. It has immense publicity. It demonstrates financial triumph of individuals or groups. And a striking observation is the owner occupies a small part of of any premises but will rent out the rest. So only a small amount of people will own a lot of what some people are subjected to financially or quote may own or it might be theirs but it belongs to someone else. So there's giant entities that are vast and tons of people participate in them but there's only a few people that own a patch of it and they can control the entire thing. In the United States, individuality is something to be won. He was stricken by the words of the hostess. She said, What we do is protect the individual. Outside of the clubs, the man is alone, but inside, he's a person. So by belonging to several people, you protect the individual against any other particular one. So individualism is plain to see that a citizen will fit himself into a framework in order to protect himself so that they may become an individual that is within a social contract among citizens of a kind. So a citizen is never a citizen alone. It is something done among associations. The nature of the organization is when there's self-criticisms or criticisms of the organization itself. The criticisms are are mostly uptaken by people that have been more frequently rewarded. So you have to first build the company in order to be able to be taken seriously to break it down. So if something's wrong and you have a complaint, you first of all have to be taken seriously because your individuality has to be won. So Jean-Paul Sartre describes this as, you have to break yourself down, give yourself away, depersonalize yourself, constantly appeal to a reason, a civic sense of freedom, and a fitted nationalized and professionalism and to associate with certain educational standards and edify yourself through organizations and then finally once you have integrated all of that into your life you regain consciousness of yourself and your own personal autonomy personality must be one it is a social function or the affirmation of society and that was his conclusion and of course in most things if you don't first go through something and experience it how are you to really ha- uh, pay lip service to anything that happens? and of course you know he's making mention like in order to actually have your own personal autonomy you have to be able to fit yourself more thoroughly into the framework of what you're engaging with so you need to become more and more and more like it before you can first start to approach it with your own individuality so he's saying there's a a weddedness of getting involved with more people or within groups or else you're completely alone so you don't have your autonomy to begin with you have your autonomy at the end you get that later It's a very interesting take, but that's it for that one. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next time.